So yeah, how important is taking the name? How important is spiritual practice? It's about as important as breathing. Without the breath, you've got no life. And without practice, without turning towards the spirit in one way or another, and calming the mind and emotions one way or another, your heart will never open, your heart will never live. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishnadas shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishnadas's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. Oh, 
थे Okay. Questions. Whose picture is between the Tawaris? Oh, in the frame, that's their son. That's my friend, Shred. Shred Tuari, the oldest son of Mr. and Mrs. Tuari. Wait, between the Tuaris and the Hanuma. Oh, that's a Baba that nobody knows who it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a Baba who showed up uh, after Siddhima left the body. There was a... Um, 10-day, I think it was one year after she left the body, there was a 10-day uh, a uh, reading of the Bhagavat, the Bhagavatam. And on the last day, uh, after all the, the, the reading was over and then the pujas were done at each of the temples, everyone came to Maharaji's temple to his murti and uh, made the, making the final pranams and offerings. And all of a sudden there was this Baba standing there that no one had seen before. And nobody knew him, nobody knew where he came from. And he was just standing there in the crowd. And all of a sudden everybody kind of turned towards him and 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 uh, he was kind of very shy kind of not 
really engaging with people, just kind of keeping. And uh, Jayaji offered him a blanket, which he didn't want to accept. But she said this was Maharaji's prasad, so he then accepted it. And then he, everybody was finished with that, and people were walking back towards the main part of the temple, uh, the entrance part. And that young Baba stood there for a while, and people were pranaming to him. And then he walked out of the temple, and this guy tried to follow him. And he walked out of the temple and turned, walking down the road. And this guy was trying to follow him, and a herd of horses came from the opposite direction. And so the guy who was trying to follow him couldn't follow him, and then when he looked, he was gone. Nobody knows who he is. And I wasn't there that day, actually. <sighs> but uh, that's the story. Do I eat prasad on a regular occasion? If so, what ways were you taught to offer the food to God, Maharaji? Uh, we were all in Allahabad uh, in uh, the winter of 71 with Maharaji. He was staying, of course, at Dadas, at the house, at the Red House. It was called the Lal Makan. In that Dada lived in. We called it Dada's house, but Maharaja was very clear that it was his house and Dada was his guest. <laughs> but anyhow, that's a whole story about how that house got uh, built, and that's in Dada's book, uh, The Near and the Dear, I think. I don't know if the whole story is in, in, in By His Grace. Maybe it is. There's two books that Dada wrote, which are so great. One of us called By His Grace, and one is called The Near and the Dear. And they're both available digitally, and probably both available from the temple in New Mexico, hard copy. So they're on Amazon. So anyhow, so we had learned a mantra to offer food. And the mantra is part of uh, the practice when you offer things into the fire, when you do a yug, a, a fire ceremony. And uh, so one day we were invited to take our meal at the Sony's house, Mr. and Mrs. Sony, who are great devotees of Maharaji, also living not too far from Dada's house. So all the Westerners went over there, and we were sitting in a, kind of a circle, it was a courtyard, a small courtyard, and we were sitting all around the courtyard, and Maharaji was in the middle, sitting on his tucket, and Dada was standing there with him. So all the food was served, Ramdas was there, and Ramesh, and many others, and the food was served, and we all, uh, we all spontaneously said this mantra together, which was a food, an offering for the food, and when we finished the mantra, Maharaji just looked at Dada and said, Dada, this is a real yag. A yag means a fire sacrifice, a fire ceremony. The mantra, it basically says the food is Brahma, the offering is Brahma, 
the one who knows all is Brahma, God goes to Brahma. Uh, Brahma Arpanam, Brahma Havya, Brahmagni, and the, the, the fire, the hunger, the desire for the food, the hunger for the food is also God. Brahmagni Brahmanohotam, Brahmaivatan Gantavyam, Brahma Karma Samadhina. So it's a beautiful mantra. Uh, and it's from those fire ceremonies, pujas and prayers. So, but Maharaj said, said Dara, this is a real, a real yag, a real fire ceremony. Which was interesting for him to say that. Because it's an internal thing. It's not always out. There are external and internal, macrocosm and microcosm. Things that are done in the outside world can affect the inside, and the inside can very much affect the outside. So Maharaja was saying that we were offering this food into the fire within us, the, the, the agni, the hunger, the fire uh, in the stomach, and that this was a real offering. And it's God offering God to God, and when that happens, one, be- one comes to God. Oh, that was a very powerful moment for us. How is important is it taking a name of God in a daily life for an individual? Well, I don't know if you mean if you mean how important it is to do spiritual practice in general. Or you're saying, how important is it to do the practice of the name particularly? I'll assume that you're asking about spiritual practice in general. If you don't plant the seeds, the things you want are not going to show up. We want happiness. We want our desires to be fulfilled. We want to live in a good way. We want to be safe. We want our family to be safe. And ultimately, when our heart expands, we want everybody to be happy. Because if everybody's happy, nobody would hurt anybody else. If you don't plant the seeds to create those feelings and those fruits, those karmic fruits, those fruits of your actions, where are they going to come from? Maharaji said, the repetition of the name, from, doing, from repeating the names of God, everything is accomplished. He said, sing it when you're tired, when you're angry, when you're sad, when you're happy, when you don't feel like shit, when you feel like shit. Sing it. Repeat it. Because if you don't, then what? Right now, we, we are being victimized. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year by our own thoughts and emotions. We don't know where the thoughts came from. We don't know where the emotions come from. All we know is that all we do is react every day, all day, our whole life long. Blind reaction. Reaction without any mitigating factor. It's as if We get pushed this way, we go back this way. We get pushed this way, we go back this way. And there's no end to it for us. 
unless we do some practice, unless we try to find out what's going on, we're not going to find out. And we're going to suffer needlessly. Nobody deserves to suffer. Everyone deserves to be at ease of heart and at peace in life and have the things they want. But we ourselves have made choices and decisions that cause more suffering for us and others that we don't want to suffer. We don't want to suffer, but our own choices that we make out of blind reaction that we have no chance to, to change the reactions. They just happen automatically and we have to live with the results. That's why practice is important because it's, we're making a conscious effort to go against the flow. Of, we're caught in this river that's heading to the rapids and there's nothing, we think there's nothing, we don't even imagine there's anything we can do about it because we don't actually experience the fact that we are suffering. Yeah, yeah, when we're not too distracted by other things, we might feel unhappy. But we don't have the understanding that anything can be done about our state of mind. We just accept that this is it. I'm fucked up. I'll always be fucked up. Let me try to scratch out a little happiness in this life. <sighs> That's brutal. It's not necessary. Everyone has within them everything they need. But it's absolutely covered up. It's like... You have a huge diamond mine under the ground, but there's tornadoes and hurricanes all around, and you can't get to the spot where everything is. You're blown here, you're blown there, you're blown there, you're blown there. We have to find a way to land regardless of what's going on in our heads or in the outside world. If we don't, we don't. So, when you can ask a question of like, how important? How important is breathing? That's how important doing some practices. Because only through doing some practice can we affect what our own future is going to be like. Right now, this is the result of everything we've ever done right now. Right now. And in the middle of all this craziness, we're still here. There's a possibility of doing something to help ourselves. 
even now with all this craziness going on, we're still here. We can make choices. And we are making choices every day, millions of choices. But most of those choices are based on delusion, based on misunderstanding what everything's all, what, what this is and what's going to happen and what we are. And we're not able to wake up. So yeah, how important is taking the name? How important is spiritual practice? It's about as important as breathing. Without the breath, you've got no life. And without practice, without turning towards the spirit in one way or another and calming the mind and emotions one way or another, your heart will never open. Your heart will never live in the way that it has every right to live. So yeah, how important is taking the name? How important is spiritual practice? It's about as important as breathing. Without the breath, you've got no life. And without practice, without turning towards the spirit in one way or another and calming the mind and emotions one way or another, your heart will never open, your heart will never live in the way that it has every right to live. How does one do this practically? Well, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's an accurate uh, description of what Krishna, of what they, the, the dialogue, the interaction between Krishna and Arjuna. Krishna actually liberates Arjuna. He frees him from misunderstanding. He frees him from seeing things incorrectly. And he finally reveals reality to him. He opens his inner eye and Arjuna has the vision of God, the vision of the universe, the supreme being. He has darshan of that. But even that's not the end because then one has to find a way to live in that while one is busy doing other things, which is what happens. So that's not an accurate description of the Bhagavad Gita at all. There's nothing wrong with the material world when you know who you are. When you don't know who you are, you're a part of that external material world. Your so-called ego is part of the external world. It's not who you are. It's who you think you are. It's who you've been programmed to think you are by your life. The one who's programmed the one who can see the programs, is aware of the program, is not the program. It's not the thoughts, is not the emotions. There's no reason to push the external world away. It isn't real. It's real for us because we are deluded. We are not free. We are asleep, we are reactive, we are 
full of grief and shame and fear and guilt and sadness and selfishness. We're full of all that. So we experience everything in a certain kind of way. Not real, not the real way, not the way things really are. So, become, try to become a good human being. Try to become aware of the stuff in you that prevents you from being happy, that prevents you from treating yourself well, and prevents you from treating others well and prevents you from treating others the way you would like to be treated. Start there. Start with what you have. Start with the little package that we have. Don't worry about the fucking material world. We don't even know what that is. Start where you are. Try to become a good person. You'll see how hard it is to overcome all that stuff inside of us and to release all that stuff inside of us. It ain't easy. But if you don't do it, then Once again, there's a question about, uh, it says, Hare Krishna is called Mahamantra. Reading the lives of various saints, it seems that just the repetition of Rama is the preferred chant of the great ones over the centuries. Any insight as to why Rama alone over Hare Krishna, Hare Rama? Based on the choice chant of saints, why is Rama alone not called Mahamantra? Well, Rama alone is called Mahamantra. The names of God are Mahamantra. There are different sects who have different beliefs and different customs and different practices, and so many of them say, this is the only way. Terrific. For them, let it be the only way. You find your only way. All the names of God are equally powerful. They are equally Mahamantra. And in fact, the Hanuman Chalisa is Mahamantra. Maharaji said every line of Hanuman Chalisa is Mahamantra because these are the names of Hanuman. And Hanuman is the flow of grace that takes us right into reality, which is Rama. Or Krishna, or Shiva, or Kali, or Durga. Come on. You know, I once asked Tiwari, Mr. Tiwari, I said, Babu, who's greater, Shiva or Vishnu? And he said, how can you compare infinites? <laughs> Our little brains, are tawdry, small, miserable little brains can't conceive any of this stuff. Just relax. 
Just repeat the name, whatever name makes you feel you feel like repeating. Don't worry about what other groups say. Just do what makes you happy, or at least do what you feel you want to do. Everybody's the practice you do is the best practice for you. The practice you don't do is not going to help you at all. Is it possible that opioid, opioid addicts are experiencing a type of liberating spiritual experience? They look kind of free. <laughs> well, you know, the desire to be free of suffering, which for many people turn into addiction, whether it's alcoholism or drugs, all that is based on not being able to deal with suffering, with unhappiness, with, with difficulty in life, and wanting to be away from it. The problem, of course, is that those things don't last. It's based on an external input, which is temporary and ultimately leads to destruction of the body and the emotions and everything. So, you know, so even though uh, it seems that they've become a little free of suffering, they're not really becoming free of suffering. They, they're numbing themselves and with pleasure. But pleasure doesn't last. No pleasure lasts except reality, which is more than pleasure. Pleasure and pain are the opposites of, they're opposite to each other in terms of defining things, that's what they say. Pleasure is the absence of pain and pain is the absence of pleasure. They go together. All that's based on individual, that we think we are individuals and we have our own experiences. When we find out our true nature and when we touch our true nature, which, which lives within us already as who we really are, it's not about pleasure and pain. It's not, it's, it, you know, there's a story about Buddha. He was sitting under a tree in the jungle and he was doing his practices and at the time he was doing very, very severe ascetic practices. He was following the teachings of the teachers that were available at that time in the world. He wasn't eating hardly, he was barely breathing. He was very deep into it. But at the same time, he, un he intuitively understood that it wasn't going to work. 
he hadn't found what he was looking for. He hadn't experienced truth, the true reality. And there was no more that he could do. He, he knew that if he pushed himself any further, he would die, the body would die. And that wasn't the way to go. Without a body, you can't do shit. So he was in terrible despair, actually, at that point in his practice. And um, in the midst of this despair, a memory came to him of when he was a boy, sitting under a tree in a field, watching his father work in the distance on a beautiful summer day. And he had this extraordinarily wonderful sensation. This feeling arose in him. And it was such a, a wonderful feeling that he actually got scared because he was used to cutting, shutting everything off and going down into the, into the nitty gritty. But now this feeling just like, ah, it was like a beautiful breeze coming over him, oh. And he got scared and then he said, now wait a minute, what is this feeling? So he looked at the feeling and he saw very clearly that, that, that feeling, that, that wonderful feeling that, he, that came over him did not come from the senses being joined with a pleasant object like heroin or food or a good movie or sex. It didn't come from the, the senses joining with an object like that that brought pleasure. Nor did it come from the senses being separated from a painful object. So if it didn't come from that or this, then it had no cause. Then, then nothing caused that feeling. In other words, it was natural. It was innate. It was the inside opening up in a new way for him. And it, it became a revelation for him. And he said, you know, Maybe the way to find liberation is through this feeling, which had no cause. It was a, a not a shadow, but it was like a, a, an analog of something even deeper. It was like, you know, sometimes when you drive to the ocean, as you get closer to the ocean, you begin to, to smell and taste the, the salt spray. The, the way it feels, that's what this feeling was. It wasn't the ocean itself yet, but it was that, that taste of it. So then he thought, well, you know, that must be, maybe this is the way. And then he said, well, maybe I should eat something <laughs> because I'm gonna die if I don't eat something. So it just so happened a woman was going by with some uh, yogurt or something like that. And as sadhus do in India, he put his hand out like this and she poured some food in his hand and he ate. And that moment led him to the deepest realization. And that realization is the same realization across the board for all 
beings, ultimate liberation. You called it, they call it nirvana, liberation, whatever you want to call it. It's a recognition of our true nature. So, question about addiction. Just like the, the problem with all of us is that we have bad aim. We want happiness, we want joy, we want to feel good. So we grab at things in the outside world and they don't work for long. And some of those things actually are like poison. And over time, they take over our lives and we lose our will, our ability to make our own choices. The drugs, we become dependent and without them we feel worse, so we keep going, we keep going. So, yeah, Maharaji said, you know, he said, don't smoke hash. If you smoke it, your health will, not, it's not gonna bring you to God. If hash worked, I'd, we'd fill a room with it and I'd come in there and we'd all smoke together. <laughs> but he said, it doesn't last, it doesn't work. So here's a, a, somebody who's having a terrible time, suffering very much. I've tried to do everything I'm supposed to do, and God still takes everything away. I don't know what to do. I feel Hanuman, but I don't believe he will save me. This is a very difficult time, this COVID time. And many, many, many of us are suffering terribly and being eaten alive by our own thoughts and emotions. And we have no way of dealing with them. We have no way of lightening it up. And all the usual ways that we get relief, even though it's temporary, many of them have been, those things have been taken away from us. The ability to go out with friends and have a party and go to movies or go out for a drive and walk in nature, a lot of that stuff's been taken away and we're stuck in our heads. And our heads sometimes are telling us very unhappy stories. But they are just stories but we believe them, and that's the problem. We believe everything we feel and everything we think. And when it's really negative and really heavy, it's very, very painful. And we lose hope.
there's, there's no button to push to make it go away. There's no... It, it, it's not something that we deserve to feel bad. But it's a symptom of our... Of, it, it's revealing to us the way we usually live. We're dependent on external things to feel good. And we don't get what we want. We suffer terribly. That's the way it is in the world. But you're not required to feel bad. You're just habituated to it. And no, nothing can break that habit except you. You just have to ride it out. What are your options? You go around, mope around, walk from room to room, scream and yell and mope and do whatever you have to do to get through the day. Things will change. But you can't expect the world to provide you with the things you want. You have to find a way to live in a good way right now, regardless of what's going on out there. It's the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves that torture us, that destroy us. So. I feel I'm very I'm sad that you're so sad. But it passes. One way or another, it passes. It's not up to you to make it pass. Just allow it to go. Don't fight it. Don't fight with it. It's a big cloud, but clouds disperse. The biggest clouds disperse sooner or later. They always do. So. That's it for today. A lot of questions. Sorry we couldn't get to them, but there's just no time for it. Yeah. Just keep chanting. That's what I recommend. When you're happy, chant. When you're unhappy, chant. Don't expect that when you chant, all of a sudden everything's going to be fine and wonderful. Just plant the seeds of the repetition of the name. They will bring fruit at the right time, or at least at the time that they're going to. We don't know right time, wrong time. But if you don't plant the seeds, then guarantee nothing will happen. Have to do something. There's just no two ways about that. So find Look deep inside yourself and be honest with yourself. And 
try to find a way to help yourself because only we can do that. And we can. That's the good news and the bad news. So. I'm gonna try something with my drummer here, my electronic drummer. It's, it ain't easy. So. Let me see if I can do this. I haven't been able to sing this chalisa with you because it has a very strange rhythm. And uh, the drum machine doesn't quite do it. And then it's really hard to speed up too because, because, so. But, let me see, let's try it right here. Charna Saro Jaraja Jamano Mukuru Sudhar Parana Raghuvara Demala Jesu Chodayaku Alachari about that question the person wrote about how much suffering they have at this moment. Hanuman Shalisa was given to us by Maharaji. And it was his blessings and his grace that gave us this chant, this practice of singing the Hanuman Chalisa, of invoking this place within us that is totally connected to real love and goodness all the time. So, through singing the Hanuman Chalisa, Maharaji said, even fate can be changed. So this is not something we have to have blind faith in. It's something that we could try and do it and see what happens. So that much 
that little bit we have to suspend our disbelief and allow us to do some practice. So the first line, the first part of the Chalisa, Shri Guru Charana Saroja Raja, the Guru who lives within you as your own soul and is not something outside. The Guru, the feet of that Guru, the, the base of that Guru, it's, the, it's like a lotus, and the pollen of that lotus is like the dust of the Guru's feet is like the pollen of that lotus. And we take that lotus, that dust, to clean the mirror of our hearts. Why do we clean the mirror? And how is the mirror dirty? The mirror, our soul is like a mirror. It's like a perfectly still lake reflecting the moonlight. And as many lakes as there are, the moon is reflected. The same one moon is reflected in every lake. The light is the same. But our lake or our mirror is covered with dust and dirt. And that's our selfishness, our shame, our fear, our guilt, our anger, our aggression, our fear, all that stuff. That's what covers that's what covers the mirror. So when that's what's covering the mirror, the reflection is at the very least distorted and most likely totally gone. We look in the mirror, we don't see, all we see is the dust. So we bow to the guru inside. We bow to that love that lives within us. That wishes even for ourselves all good things. We bow to that. And we, we, we clean the dust from the mirror of our heart and we pray to Hanuman. We say, look, I don't know anything. So give me strength, give me intelligence, give me wisdom and remove my impurities. This is the prayer at the very beginning of the Chalisa. So this is a practice that you can do. And Maharaji's blessings come with that practice. They are there. We wouldn't know about that practice without Maharaji. At least the people who were connected through that. That's what it means. So. Guru Charana Saroja Raja Nijamanu Makuru Sudhari Varano Raghubara Vimalajasu Chodayaku Palachari Uddhihin tanu janneke Sumeron pavanakkuma siyaram Allah 
कभी को बेद कहे सकते कहाँ दे तुम उपकार सुग्रीव हिंकीन है राम मेलाया राज्यपद दीन तुम्हारों मंत्र विभिषणमान अंकेश्वर आए सब जग जान युग सहस्र जन्म पारबान इल्योता ही दुर्लभजान प्रभु मुद्रिका मेले मुकमाही चलदिलंगी गए अच्छर जन्माई दुर्गम काज जगत के जेते सुगम अनुग्रह तुम्हारे ते राम दुवारे तुम्हारकवारे ओतना आज्ञ इन्नोपेजार सब सुखलाए Ishwaran, tu mara chak kahu kodan. Apne tej samaro ape tinon lo kahan kateng kampe utpesash nikat. नहीं आवे महावीर जब नाम सुनावे ना से रोग हरे सब पीरा चपत निरंतर हनुमत बीर संकट ते अनुमान शुरावे मनक्रम बचन ध्यान जोलावे सब पाराम तपस्वीराजा तीन के काज सकल तुम्हासाज औरमनोरत जो को विलावे सोए अमित जीवन पलपाले चारों युग परताप तुम्हारा है परसिद्ध जगत उजियार साधु संत के मरकवारे असुरने कंदनाराम दुलारे अष्टसिद्धि नौनिधि के दाता असवर दीन 
Ramarasayana Tumare Pasa Sadaroho Ragupati Kedasa Tumare Bajana Ramakopave Janam Janamake Dukabisarave Anta kala raguvara purajai Jahanjan mahare bhakta kahai Ora devata chitana darai Anumata sei sarvasukakare Sankat karte mirte sabapira Jos sumere hanumatta balabira JJJ hanuman gosai Kopakaro guru Satabara Pakakara Koi Chutahi Bandi Mahasukahoi Oya Pare Anuman Chalisa Hoya Siddhi Sati Karisa Tulasindas Sada Arichera Kijenata Hordayamande Alanatanaya Sankata Harana Mangalamurati Rupasiara Ramalakan Sita Sayata Hrdaibasa Surabhupa Siyavara Ramachandra Padaje Sharana Mangalamurti Martananda Sakala Amangalamura Nekanda Mangalamurti Martananda Sakala Amangalamura Nekanda Shri Ram Jeram Jeram Shri Ram Jeram Ram Jeram Jeram Shri Ram Jeram Jeram 
Sitaram, Sitaram, Jeje, Sitaram, 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 Jeje, Sitaram, Sitaram. Shiram, Jeram, Jeje, Ram de Ram de Je Ram. Shri Ram de Ram Je Je Ram. Shri Ram de Ram Je Je Ram. Sitaram, Sitaram, Jeje, Sitaram, 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 Jeje, Sitaram, Sitaram. Sitaram, Jeram, Jeje, Ram. Ram de Ram de de Ram. Sitaram, Sitaram, Jeje, Sitaram, 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 Jeje, Sitaram, Sitaram, Sitaram. Ram de Ram, Je Je Ram, Shri Ram de Ram, Je Je Ram. Shri Ram de Ram, Je Je Ram, Shri Ram de Ram. Ram Je Ram Je Je Ram Shri Ram Je Ram Je Je Ram know anything about a path at all. If we know there might be a way to live in this world in a good way right now. If we know 
anything about that. It's only because of the great beings that have gone before us. Out of their love, out of their kindness, they left some footprints for us to follow. So, in the same way that they wish for us, in the very same way that they wish for us, we wish that all of us, all beings everywhere, be safe, be happy, that all of us have good health and enough to eat. And may we all live in peace and at ease of heart with whatever comes to us in life. Stay. Take good care. See you soon. Alam Ram.